every pastor who has served 50 years in ministry should be compelled legally to write a book. After so many years of faithful service to the Lord, they should be designated a national treasure. That's my conclusion after reading today's books. Hi, my name is Terence and I'm your host for Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. Today, I review two books. The first book is The Care of Souls, Cultivating a Pastor's Heart by Harold L. Sankbill, 312 pages published by Lexham Press in June 2019. This book has won the 2020 Christianity Today Book Award for Church Pastoral Leadership. It has also won the 2019 TGC Ministry Book of the Year, and it has also won the 2020 ECPA Christian Book Award for Ministry Resources. This book was so good that it has a spin-off series, The Lexham Ministry Guides. This uh, series includes published guides for number one, uh, pastoral leadership, uh, two, stewardship, three, funerals. And they have two more soon-to-be-published titles, one on pastoral visitation and the other on spiritual warfare, and perhaps even more to come. Now, all these books carry the subtitle, The Care of Souls, tracing their roots to Sankbill's original book. The second book I am reviewing today is Pastoral Leadership for the Care of Souls. Okay, so it's one of the series that uh, I mentioned earlier. And uh, it's by Harold Sengbale, the same author as the original, and Lucas V. Woodford. Uh, it's uh, 208 pages, also by Lexham Press, published in August 2021, meaning this was published two years after the first. So I'm reviewing two books today. Whenever I review two books, it's because I was forced to, because I would always prefer to just review one book for one episode. And this is what happened. The Logos Free Book of the Month for April is the Pastoral Leadership Book. And I finished all 200 pages of it and found it dissatisfying. Not because it was a bad book, I'll evaluate the book later in this episode, but because it seemed like I was joining in mid-conversation. The authors were using words which I think I know what they mean, but I was not sure. Now, how do I explain this? It's like in a, in a church setting, a young Christian hears the word justification in a sermon. He thinks, does the word justification in the passage, the way the pastor said it, the way the apostle Paul wrote it, does it mean the same thing as in this sentence, Russia has no justification for war? And the answer is no. Justification, as the way the Apostle Paul uses it, is a technical term to describe a righteousness that has been imputed on us that is necessary for our salvation. So justification is a technical word. Now coming back to this Logos Free Book of the Month book, in this book, I frequently read the phrase, the care of souls. Now, you and I could both guess the meaning, and we would both be kind of right. But the authors clearly mean something specific by it. For example, at one point in the book, the author asks, Do these 
policies, okay, what he was writing about, do these policies enhance or hamper the care of souls in the church? Now, without knowing how he defines the care of souls, we cannot answer that question, how, whether the policies enhance or hamper. So, we need to understand what the care of souls mean, because it is not peripheral to the book. It's the subtitle of the book, and it's a spin-off from another book which carries that title, The Care of Souls. In fact, listen to what the authors of Pastoral Leadership wrote. I quote, That's why we wrote this book. We believe that the heart of all leadership and strategic planning is the care of souls. Pastors are not chief executive officers any more than churches are businesses. If pastors try to run a church and cultivate quality leaders without caring for their souls, that congregation is going to be spiritually dead in the water, no matter how impressive its outward metrics may be. Care for souls is love in action, the enactment of the Word of God to be precise. End quote. Now, if you were counting, the authors used the phrase care of souls three times. It is a weighty phrase. It is a foundation to their ministry and their writings. Another word that appears just as often is habitus. Now, this word is not normal. It's not a common word. You and I would both not know what it means. Now, in the preface to the series, the editor Harold Sankbill writes, I quote, all pastoral work is rooted in a pastoral habitus or disposition. What every pastor does day after day is an expression of who the pastor is as a servant of Christ and a steward of God's mysteries. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1. End quote. Now, while there are only five chapters in pastoral leadership in this book, and I finished it, but I was seeing but not perceiving, I was reading but not understanding. What is this care of souls thing that has gripped these authors? And not just them, but readers, reviewers, and book award givers until it has spawned a mini industry of care of souls ministry guides. So I felt that in order for me to do justice to this book review, I had to read the OG, the book Care of Souls, Cultivating the Pastor's Heart by Harold Sankbill. This episode will review the books in the order it's supposed to be read. The Care of Souls first, then Pastoral Leadership that flows from it, and I'll conclude the episode with uh, my, my thoughts on both books. The best place for you to read The Care of Souls is on a farm, especially a dairy farm with a herd of cows mooing in the background. The book offers so much earthly wisdom that it should come pre-packaged with dirt and hay so that as you read the book, you can smell the farm as you read it. Okay? Now, Sengbil takes readers to a rustic time of the past. His past. I quote the first sentences from his introduction. My childhood and youth were spent on a farm in western Minnesota, my father's farm and his father's before him. 
It wasn't much by modern standards, just a tiny patch of ground, but it was my whole world, and what a wonderful world it was, end quote. And we will hear a lot about this wonderful world that he lived in. Now, any preacher can preach the parable of the sower and sound like an agricultural expert, but only those who live that life can feel the agricultural um, uh, life with detail and and often surprise. For example, I was reading this section here titled Spiritual Physicians, and Sangbil includes this story. As you listen, I want you to know that he is describing the pastoral habitus, the habitus, the disposition of the pastor towards the flock. So listen to this story. In the old days, back on the farm, farmers learned the necessity of animal husbandry the hard way. Many of them, like my dad, were pretty good diagnosticians, even though they had never been to veterinary school. They learned from generations before them and gained significant practical skill by focused observation of the animals they tended, watching carefully for the peculiarities of each animal to learn how they behave in a variety of different situations. So when they saw something out of the ordinary, they knew they had to act quickly. Here's one notable example. In springtime, when our cows were first let out to pasture, they tended to gorge themselves on succulent new grasses and overeat. Their voluminous bellies would consume quite a quantity of legumes, and on occasion, my father needed to take drastic action. When the cow's flanks began to swell abnormally and she began to pant with increasingly shallow breaths, she was experiencing the bovine equivalent of acid indigestion. The results could be fatal if those gases in her stomachs expanded to the point of stopping her respiration. More than once, I saw my dad take out a knife and plunge it into a bloated cow's side and let out the accumulated gas to save her life. He needed to know exactly where the knife could be inserted without slicing into an artery and killing her. It was radical treatment, that's for sure, but it was necessary for healing. End quote. I shared this uh, story with uh, some of the guys here and I captioned it with this lesson. Do not overeat lest your pastor has to stick you with a knife. Now, before you think that this book is just a memoir of a Christian farmer, let me now tell you who is Harold L. Sankbill. According to the author profile in Lexham Press, I quote, Harold L. Sankbill is the Executive Director Emeritus of Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care. His pastoral experience of nearly five decades includes parish ministry, the seminary classroom, and parachurch leadership. He is author of numerous books, including Dying to Live, The Power of Forgiveness, and Sanctification, Christ in Action. End quote. St. Bill is a pastor's pastor. And if you are a pastor and you don't have a pastor, or you don't know what a pastor pastor does, then you should, you must, read this book. While a big part of the book is the care of other people's soul, uh, Sangbil is just as invested in the care of your soul, you, the pastor, your soul. And uh, if this book was to be turned into a movie, just to give you a flavor of what this book is about, and uh, why not turn it into a movie since it's already spawned a spin-off series of books, 
The setting for this movie would be on a, you guessed it, a farm. And it would be like city slickers, but better. What do you mean you don't know city slickers? I mean, it's the Billy Crystal movie. You poor, impoverished soul. Anyways, a city pastor arrives at the farm to get some much-needed rest, okay? Not many people know this, but he is thinking of quitting. Half the congregation is upset for all he has done. The other half is upset for all he has not yet done. He has read all the books, joined all the conferences, and tried all the foolproof, foolproof church growth techniques. And he has shown everybody that he is the fool that proved all those foolproof techniques wrong. He is here to get some time and space to plot his next chapter of his life because the current chapter is a wreck. He just didn't know at the end of this visit to the farm how that next chapter was going to look like. So this movie that I just described is not in the Care of Souls book, okay? I'm just conveying as part of my review how the book could be adapted into a movie that captures the book's essence. So let's say that this city pastor meets an old man at the farm. The old man draws him in with tales of farm life. Before long, the pastor realizes that the stories have a point, a pastoral point. The pastor then begins to open up in a way that he never did before. I mean, how could he? He could not share his load with the members of his congregation. His wife and children could not understand it. And so he's gushing everything out, all the pain, all the woes, all the troubles that he has bottled up inside him. He tells it to this old man. And remarkably, this old man listens and responds as if he has heard it all before. The old man gently asks, What is a pastor? And that's actually the title of chapter 1 in this book. What is a pastor? The classical model. I quote from this chapter, The premise of this book is that action flows from being. Identity defines activity. Thus, a clearer vision of what the pastoral ministry is will lead to a clearer understanding of what a pastor does day by day. Later, Sangbill writes, The classical texts of pastoral care have always called the cure of souls a habitus, a pastoral temperament or character worked by the Holy Spirit through his means. Skipping forward, I quote, a pastoral's habituation, habituation or character is what counts most in ministry. This habitus can't be instilled merely through pedagogy or acquisition of intellectual knowledge, though instruction and knowledge remain vital and indispensable components in pastoral education. End quote. What you see here, or what you read here, is the manifesto for a return to the pastor's calling, the care of souls, by developing the pastor's habitus. Now, this manifesto is not like some political manifestos that excites generations of people, but it's actually just an idea that sounds nice in theory, but is just fantasy. It's not workable. No, it's not like that. This manifesto, the care of souls, is calling the pastor to return to this age-old practice, okay? So it's age-old, proven practice that is still being practiced in which this book and its author are proof. 
So let me read one line from the book and uh, let's, uh, let's see what you think, okay? I quote, This is the heart of the cure of souls. In proximity to the sanctifying spirit, every soul finds its renewal and cleansing. Now, over, uh, end quote. now over here is talking about the cure, and in this book he talks about the difference between the cure of souls and the care of souls. But this line is a very important line. It's loaded with meaning. I'm going to repeat it one more time, but this time I want you to listen because every word in this line is loaded with so much meaning that it fills chapters in this book. Okay, So let me read it out again one more time and you just pay attention to every word. I quote, In proximity to the sanctifying spirit, every soul finds its renewal and cleansing. End quote. Seriously, it's every word. He talks about being near to the, to the only object or the only person who can sanctify us. And it's something that's offered for every soul. And what it does is that it renews and cleanses. And it talks about some things, uh, about like things like um, baptismal uh, therapy and, uh, and uh, spiritual diagnosis and so on. So he does explain all these things in the book. And the implications are enormous. It's not just that we have a more accurate theology. And I love it when my theology gets challenged and hopefully closer to the biblical understanding. But there is more to this book than that, more to that line than that. Because if we can understand what he means over here, it actually helps the pastors, it helps Christians minister to other people. It, for one thing, it clarifies what you do. So I realized after reading this book that I kind of do what he says, but I just don't understand it the way he does. I don't see scripture the way he did, but after reading it, it kind of makes sense. Now, that's... That's how he talks about, uh, writes about what is ministering to, to the flock, to the people under your care, to the souls under your care. And um, another thing that's helpful is that it clarifies what you can and cannot do. <laughs> and in this, he actually saves the pastor from burnout. And uh, the, the pastor, the poor pastor who feels the weight of the congregation, their burdens, their expectations, and so on, on his shoulders, that pastor will find relief in these pages as Sank Bale uh, unpacks the words that I just read. Okay, So the, in proximity to the sanctifying spirit, every soul finds its renewal and cleansing. Pastors, you have one job and only one job, and that is to bring souls nearer and nearer to Jesus. So this is actually um, a paradigm shift if we can really... Uh, absorb what Sang Bill is writing in this uh, in this book, and uh, if if you want to get a feel again for this uh, book, I mean, if we look back at that movie idea of mine, yeah. So I'm pitching a movie project in the middle of this book review. At the end of that movie, I describe we will see the city pastor waving goodbye to the old man, renewed and invigorated for the next chapter of his life, the care of souls and the nurturing of the pastoral habitus. Habitus Maximus. So that is the uh, title of this uh, movie project. <laughs> and people will be thinking that it's going to be either a gladiator uh, sequel or a Harry Potter uh, movie. <laughs> habitus 
Maximus. And so um, that's the care of souls. I'll now turn to the second book, uh, Pastoral Leadership, and then I'll offer my concluding thoughts on both books at the end. After finishing the care of souls, the reader will naturally ask, what's next? Having left the old man at the farm, he returns to the church, renewed and invigorated for the care of souls, uh, have this idea of habitus maximus. Then he steps into the church and there awaiting him is the church strategic meeting or a budget meeting or maybe even a funeral. So what is the, how does he uh, link what he just learned at the farm with uh, what he's dealing with in the church? And to find out, well, just get one of the Lexa ministry guide on those very topics. And that's where the next book comes in. Pastoral Leadership for the Care of Souls, written by Sangbil, the guy who wrote the book previously. And his, um, I'm not sure this one, is it his protege, his disciple, pastor in arms, uh, Lucas V. Woodford. I'll now confess that the movie idea I pitched earlier is an artistic adaptation of Woodford's story. There are five chapters in this uh, pastoral leadership book, and the first chapter is Woodford's coming of habitus story, the story of before and after he met the old man, in this case, the real-life Professor Harold Sengbill. Now listen to what a wreck he was before he met a professor. Woodford writes, Paranoia and uncertainty about the future of my ministry and the future of the congregation became my nightly obsession. Under the misbelief that if I worked more, tried harder, and was a better leader, people would like me more. I began coming into the office at 3 a.m. to start my day and staying until late at night, after I had attended the last meeting of the day. Even so, landing on a common and uniting leadership emphasis for the congregation was ever elusive. Strife continued. Factions remain. End quote. Later, he writes... I was trying to do absolutely everything by my own reason and strength. I knew the Great Commission. I embraced it, and I was trying to fulfill it, even if it killed me. But the growth wasn't magically happening like all the church growth books that it was supposed to. Supposed to. Those same books that a leader looking to bring change and vibrancy to his ministry should expect all kinds of resistance and animosity and needs to be prepared to endure some misery in ministry and life. They said this was just the price you pay if you want to lead a change toward a passionate, vibrant, mission-oriented church." End quote. Then he meets Professor Harold Sengbill, marking the turning point in his life and ministry. I quote, This loving professor and pastor gave me permission to see ministry in a fuller and more historic light, which included profound insight into the care of souls, not just the leading of members. Thus, I began to care more intentionally and classically for the individual souls of the congregation, giving them Jesus as I was called to do, rather than giving them myself, my ingenuity, my or, or my next great idea. I learned that leadership and the care of souls go hand in glove when soul care leads the way." End quote. And if you have a hankering for more rustic wisdom, we have two chapters from Sengbil in this book. In one chapter, he offers an all-too-real description of pastoral depletion syndrome. If you're not a pastor, be careful when you read this chapter, 
because after reading this chapter, you might be compelled to ask for absolution from your pastor, to ask for forgiveness from your pastor. At the end of this book, we have a resource chapter which is an annotated bibliography arranged in five categories. Uh, we have leadership and coaching, emotional intelligence, boundaries and schedules, team building, and strategic planning. Woodford has done the hard work of curating these books so that you don't have to. Uh, this chapter alone could be worth the price of the book because uh, there are lots of good stuff over here and um, it could help the young pastor beginning a leadership role to know what books to read and how to go about it. Hmm? So that's the end of my review on pastoral leadership for the care of souls by these two authors. Now let's go to my concluding thoughts on both books. First of all, I recommend both books to weary pastors, young pastors, pastors who are going to quit, pastors who are just starting. Both Sengbil and Woodford tell it like it is. In a different era, what they both did here can be akin to airing out the church's dirty laundry in public because so much is revealed. In a chapter they both co-authored, they present their credentials and convictions. The two of us have been involved in the full gamut of church leadership. We have been in the trenches of ministry right alongside other pastors. Each of us have counseled, mentored, and guided pastors one-on-one -on -one through the whole range of pastoral experiences, from the edge of disaster to exhilarating success. More pointedly, we have pastored these pastors. We have the same theology and share lots of convictions when it comes to ministry, but this one conviction rises to the very top. Every pastor needs a pastor. End quote. So, it's really a book for pastors. Now, one tip I'll give you here is that you should read the Care of Souls book first before reading any of the other books in the Lexa Ministry Guide. Now, it can be tempting to read the guides, okay, because the guides are shorter. The pastoral leadership, in this case, is 200 pages. The guides are more direct. If you want to know about how to have a meeting, how to set a bound boundaries and so on, I mean, the guides are very uh, direct, straightforward, uh, and practical, okay? Not saying that the care of souls is not practical, but it is a different thing. Um, so you may be very tempted to read those ministry guides and just when you come across these words, care of souls and habitus, just say, that, okay, I more or less understand what those words mean, but let's carry on. Please don't do that. Now, I'm sure that those books can be read standalone, but you will get so much more out of them if you read the care of souls first. Please trust me on this. <laughs> And with that tip, I have one warning for you. The Lutheran is very strong in these books. The way the books speak of the sacraments, uh, the baptism and the Lord's Supper, is very different from the way I, as a Baptist, understand them. Um, another example is uh, baptismal uh, therapy. I'm I'm not confident that I fully understand what Sankbil means when he speaks of baptismal therapy. And this is something that Sankbil speaks often and strongly. 
If baptismal therapy means getting Christians to see Romans 6 at work in their lives, then I agree with him and I was doing something like that, but I just didn't understand it in those terms. But if Sengbil's baptismal therapy means something else, the way the Lord's Supper means something else to the Lutherans, then I am seeing it as a Baptist would see it, not as he means it. So it becomes very helpful, but it may not be what he meant. The point is, um, both books are very Lutheran, which is perfect for Lutherans, because even if you disagree, at least you know what you are disagreeing with. For those of us, like myself, who are not familiar with Lutheran theology, when I agree, I'm not entirely sure I know what I'm agreeing with. <laughs> now, all this, means, all this means that I need to make a Lutheran friend. Um, but as you, but until that happens, and hopefully it's sooner rather than later, I urge uh, you guys um, to to actually uh, be careful when you read this book because you uh, you might not know what he actually means <laughs> with those specific phrases. But I don't think it will harm you in any way. Um, one thing I want to say is that. Uh, Clearly, Sengbil and Woodford are Lutheran pastors who believe in what they write and what they practice. I much prefer people to write their convictions clearly rather than water it down just to appeal to all peoples. Now, since I highlighted the Lutheran component so strongly, you might think that uh, non-Lutherans should skip the book and maybe look for an alternative that is more towards your denomination. I think that would be a mistake, and I'm not the only one who thinks so. Michael Horton, who is a Reformed, not a Lutheran, wrote the foreword to the Care of Souls. After highlighting the close kinship between Lutheran and Reformed confession, Horton writes, I quote, The two confessions are different, and it is precisely in this difference that I find encouragement as well as fraternal correction and admonition. Evangelicals rarely encounter confessional Lutheran sources, and this is a pity. This book constitutes persuasive evidence of the richness of distinct Lutheran emphasis in relation to pastoral ministry. All of us need this wisdom. End quote. And that's a great endorsement from Michael Horton. And on that note, I will wisely end this review. And I would just say, you should read these books, especially if you are a pastor, because all of us need more wisdom. And what is offered here is wisdom for the taking. This is a reading and reader's review of The Care of Souls, Cultivating a Pastor's Heart by Harold L. Sengbill, and also a review of Pastoral Leadership for The Care of Souls by Harold L. Sengbill and Lucas V. Woodford. The Amazon Kindle price for both books are $8.49 and $9.99, respectively. But if you get them from Logos for this month and this month only, the month of April, the Care of Souls is $6.99, while the Pastoral Leadership book is free. Yes, you heard me right. It is free 
for this month and this month only. And you really should get those books because what are the odds of you finding an old man with a farm to turn your life and ministry around? Pastors, it is time to return to your calling to care for souls. Habitus Maximus.